Hi everyone, welcome to our podcast Intersectional Feminism Desi Style brought to you by Feminism in India. I'm Nishtha and I'm Pragya and we're your hosts for this show and we're very very uh, I I feel like I always end up saying yeah. this at the beginning of every episode where I'm like I'm yeah. so excited but I can't help it. I'm genuinely always really excited for the episodes that we do. But okay, promise this one I'm genuinely like I'm always excited but genuinely massively excited for this one because um we a have a great guest I can't wait to introduce her but also we're talking about something very very important today something that often gets brushed under the carpet and at least while growing up I wasn't privy to a lot of information about this so yeah um Praga do you want to take it from here Yes I do but uh, I just want to say that I fear that you're going to offend our previous guest by saying that you're very very excited about this one because I am equally just excited about this one just let me <laughs> yeah bit. so what we will be discussing today is something which is also very close to my heart uh, and my research interests within the feminist discourse and feminist movement it is sexual and reproductive health rights or SRHR of course for the longest time health as a social reality was not typically understood in terms of gender it was something presented as quote unquote scientific or biological and all encompassing but like everything else health too has very gendered classist and casteist and racist also so but like everything else health too has very gendered casteist classist and racist undertones that determine people's health outcomes we often get to hear things like i eat well and that's why i'm healthy or something like you know drink more water and all your health issues will be gone uh, i have even heard my relatives say drink more water your mental health issues will be gone or matlab हेल्थ मिथ्स तो मतलब ऐसे घर वाले फ्री में बांटते हैं सो या बट एनी वे आई एम नॉट गोन रैंट ऑन दैट एनी मोर सो या टुडे वी आर गोन टॉक अबाउट हेल्थ एंड स्पेसिफिकली सेक्शुअल एंड रिप्रोडक्टिव हेल्थ स्पेशली ऑफ पीपल फ्रॉम जेंडर माइनॉरिटी ग्रुप सच एज वेमेन ट्रांस पीपल एंड क्वेयर पीपल एंड ट्राई एंड अंडरस्टैंड हाउ दीज ऑल्सो इम्पैक्ट आर मेंटल एंड इमोशनल वेल बींग निष्ठा डू यू वॉन्ट टू इंट्रोड्यूस आर गेस्ट दे Yeah, I do. Okay, so our guest and speaking with us on this very important topic is Dr. Tanya Narendra, also known as Dr. Cuteris. She's an Oxford-trained doctor, and she's taken to Instagram to break down sexual health using gifs and infographics and memes and stickers. You may also know her for her very, very important trend: filter hatao, shakal dikhao. And um, I think it's great that Dr. Tanya is bringing all of this through her Instagram to us and uh, just making it so accessible. easy to consume and entertaining dr cuteris thank you so much for being here with us today thank you so much for having me this is the longest i've ever been quiet <laughs> <laughs> i'm so excited to be here thank you so much for having me and i'm looking forward to a wonderful conversation okay then so let's get started first of all that is such an impressive bio and if i'm allowed to say this uh, but we did reschedule this recording because sanaya was in a surgery and obviously i mean that was a more important issue at hand so i have a very basic question sanaya how are you managing it all okay maybe first tell us a little bit more about yourself beyond the introduction that nishta has given and when did you decide on online activism and why did you choose this online space for srhr advocacy um so here's the thing 
there is a very heavy burden I've been carrying my whole life. And this is going to sound, this is going to, this is the most asinine statement I've ever made in my whole life. Um, there is a very sort of existential question of why do I have all of this privilege? Why? What do I do with this? I have been born into a lot of privilege. And I think that was sort of the driving force in my life. It has been the driving force in my life for a very, very long time. How can I use this privilege to good use? Because I live in Allahabad. Allahabad is not um, is not known for being a very progressive place anymore. It used to be quite a cool place. But off late, Allahabad has... Uh, um, I, I had a very sort of misogynistic upbringing in this city <laughs> for lack of a better word yeah so essentially somewhere along the line while I was doing medicine while I was studying in the UK I was like um, people don't know this stuff anything about their bodies body literacy is a concept that is not taught in India in the world it's just not a thing you know when we when we are young children we taught about um, you know, these are your body parts, ye aankh hoti hai, ye naak hoti hai, ye elbow hoti hai. Wo private part hota hai. There's no definition on what private parts hain, private parts mein kya hai. And coming from the sort of background I came from, I thought this is something that everybody knew. Both my parents are doctors, which is why like, my my sort of, the, the line I tell everybody is that uski semen report achhi nahi aai hai, is normal dinner table conversation in my house. This is not something that is odd. Uh, this is something my dad <laughs> says all the time in the house. So, you know, I, I realized that this is not common conversation everywhere. This is not something people know about everywhere. So why not do it in a place where everybody is there, like Instagram. I use a lot of Instagram anyway, like to a problematic degree. <laughs> and I figured that um, this is, you know, I, I could just use this for expressing what is feminism to me i suppose you know that's it's it's funny that you bring up that how when you were growing up you used to hear these kind of things because in my house like abhi the condom is like what did you just say so i i def and and i grew up in delhi which is supposed to be progressive which is supposed to be like one of those spaces that you know like these conversations are okay so like right off the bat the kind of contrast that you're speaking of is pretty clear but uh, Tanya, you mentioned that you felt like Instagram was a place where there were a lot of people and it can't be denied that um, in the current scenario, Instagram does have like a big reach and it has like a huge audience. But uh, don't you sometimes think that the audience on Instagram is homogeneous, is also people who have access to the internet and at least some even if very basic, but at least some information on SRHR and they belong to liberal feminist circles and, you know, follow these spaces for their activism. But one question that we keep coming back to in this podcast in every episode is that while the internet does open up a lot of avenues for a lot of people, it's still fairly limited, especially in like the context of India and our country. And a lot of people don't have access to the space that is the internet. So, how do you like what would you suggest that we do to make srhr activism become more intersectional and inclusive and sort of go also beyond the internet that's a wonderful question um 
I get a lot of like a lot of times people will comment on my content and be like, you know, urban women don't need to know this. It's rural women who need to know this. And, you know, while I completely see how important it is to increase the reach of this sort of content, increase the reach of these sort of conversations, I also am 100% at a loss at how to do it. I do want to figure out ways in how the reach of these things can be um, increased. But the problem is having these conversations in liberal feminist circles is difficult in and of itself. Having these conversations in outside of our wonderful little bubble is going to be even more difficult. Um, that's not to say that there are not people doing it. There's some wonderful people who are working in this area who are actually going from place to place and disseminating this information, which of course is something that has been clipped by COVID once again. But um, I, I, I genuinely don't, I genuinely don't know how one can increase the access, make it more intersectional. Uh, make it more regional because you know we have such a variety of languages in in the country the maximum i can do is i can do hindi and uh, when i do in person events in allahabad we we do sort of socially distance uh, events with uh, there's an ngo i work with it's always in hindi but even then you have to have a certain vocabulary to talk about these things and to understand these things and to absorb these things you know consent for example Consent is such an important conversation in circles, in liberal circles. Um, <clears throat> I mean, of course, we have a long way to go with it. But even then, imagine having a conversation on consent with girls who go to a small government school in Allahabad. The, the word consent is something that is, in the way we interpret it, that is foreign to them. For them, consent is something else. So there is just so much work to do. There is so much to do from the ground up that sometimes it overwhelms me and I try not to think about it, which is my chicken answer. <laughs> no, I completely agree to that, actually, because as individuals, I feel like it's very difficult to, you know, like make our work completely intersectional because that's just that's impossible so there has to be a division of labor and uske upar bhi there has to be support from actual institutions like the government who can say you know t you are producing some kind of information and then they take it forward from there right and then they t go to these um rural spaces and they empower other uh and they empower rural, rural women only to say disseminate uh factual information that say people like us are talking in these more privileged spaces. So I think that there has to be that sort of institutional support, which as of now is a very distant dream, it feels. Exactly. But yeah. yeah. It's a very so, utopian dream to imagine that to happen. Like, you know, even Chota's support, even if I... So recently when the uh, online harassment stuff was happening on Instagram, everybody was telling me to file a cybercrime and then all the lawyers were coming. So I'll get into what happened. Some people sent me dick pics, which I didn't appreciate, of course. A lot of people messaged me saying, report this to cybercrime, file an FIR. But all the lawyers were telling me, don't do it. Because of the stuff you talk about, the police will laugh in your face and tell you to fuck off. <laughs> So um, it's 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 the kind of the kind of attitude we have towards uh, reproduction, 
टूअर्ड सेक्शुअल हेल्थ रिप्रोडक्शन सेक्शुअल हेल्थ इज समथिंग जो शादी के बाद ही होता है यहाँ पे इट यू कैन हैव दैट कॉन्वर्सेशन बिफोर शादी that that's really true yeah uh tara you also mentioned body literacy and uh, and so so for example menstruation is such an important topic uh, when it comes to srhr but matlab menstruation bhi school mein aise padhate hai biology class mein ki nahi padhao to bhi chalega guys i for example got most of my information from uh, my friends and the internet and मेंटल हेल्थ उसके ऊपर से समथिंग दैट आई हैव नेवर सीन डिस्कस्ड इन माय स्कूल सो बट बोथ मेंस्ट्रुएशन एंड मेंटल हेल्थ आर वेरी इंटरलिंक टू वन अनदर एंड पीपल ऑफन मिस द कॉन्वर्सेशंस अराउंड इट एंड यू नो यू गेट टू हियर थिंग्स लाइक द थ्री लेटर वर्ड लाइक दैट वी गेट टू हियर यूजुअली इज पीएमएस एंड देन यू हियर मेनी अदर वर्ड्स लाइक ओ यू आर एंग्री बिकॉज़ यू आर PMSing or women are more emotional and weak because they they PMS and menstruate. So, have you heard these? And how has your work tried to sensitize non-menstruators as well as menstruators about these issues? Um. So you're very right in saying that you know we don't receive education on these fronts at all. For example, I never studied. I think it was in famously chapter eight. If you went to an ICSE, <laughs> yeah. chapter eight in the book. Yes. उनको दो ग्रुप्स में डिवाइड कर दिया the teacher showed us a pad and they're like so this is what you have to use when you have your period and you stick it on your panty and every time it gets you know full you throw it and you get a new one end of khatam conversation so i yeah. didn't know what a period was i was like huh ye kya hai it's a diaper so like like most people who see a pad for the first time i thought it's a diaper came home told my mom she told me everything now again this is only because i was sort of in the household that i am in that i finally understood what was happening and then i went and told everybody in school about it i was like bhai sahab ye hota hai khoon woon nikalta hai bahut kharab scene hai matlab pura horror film chal rahi hoti hai and you know this is what you have to do so um i know i sort of gave a lot of bullshit information there as well because i was enjoying telling everybody about it um and this is unfortunately the way it works for most people with the internet i'm sure it's changed uh, like you mentioned like pragya mentioned she learned a lot about it on the internet um that also comes with its load of misinformation of disinformation and the way it's stigmatized for example i don't know if you've encountered this yet but there is a reel that's doing the rounds right now um about why girls can't go to the temple during their periods and i think it's no, in I, india I oh okay it's okay. it's do, it, it has like upwards of 2 million views 
so wow. a lot of people have seen this crap essentially um it's it's a girl i think who's an engineer essentially she doesn't have any training in um you know menstrual hygiene menstrual health or anything of that sort and she has said things like very beautiful pseudo scientific concepts like hamari uh, body mein kuch kya negative ions hote hain aur mandir ki andar se positive ions upar ki direction mein nikal rahe hote hain so the negative charge in our body attracts the positive charge and it turns our magnetic field upside down i i wish i was making this up um and because of this the blood that's supposed to go outside goes inside and we get endometriosis and i was like bhai sab oxford ke researchers ko dikha do ye my own professor was working on how endometriosis happens and he would have a field day with this ki meri 40 saal ka career to matlab bakwas hi kar raha tha main itne time se why did i not think of mandir mein jaane se endometriosis hota hai think of the shame this reel will bring to people to who actually have endometriosis think of the amount of self blame that will come with people who actually have endometriosis that because i went to a mandir when i was younger because everybody has you know um i did this to myself i am in incredible pain every single month i am not able to have a child in case that's something i want um i am just passing out from pain because i did something unholy and i went to a temple when i was on my period these are the kind of things we need to battle we need to tackle with regards to um you know healthcare for women like women's healthcare in itself is so inherently political um there are these i mean with mental health with uh with sort of the the long term implications of it because while we may be able to treat the endometriosis we will never be able to do anything about dismantling the years and years of shame that that person has had to suffer because we don't have those services in india mostly at least in you know outside of metro cities and also because of just how their relationship with their body changes so i'm sure you would have had an embarrassing experience with being on your period yeah definitely i have had to like so many of them like one of the biggest ones are obviously uh, the stain issue that all of us have uh, but other than that also for example i thought the first time i uh, got my periods that i was dying because i saw so much blood so yeah um i recently asked this uh, question on my stories that you know tell me a funny story about your period and most of the response like like pragya said everybody a lot of people thought they were dying some uh, girl there were some really funny responses as well like somebody ate a lot of spicy food the next the the, the day before so they thought they were bleeding from their butt which is hilarious <laughs> but um on the other hand i would say 90% of the responses are like this that you know so much shame uh, i thought i was dying i thought something's gone wrong people were writing whole ass letters to their parents i'm sorry maine shayad kuch kharab kar diya hai mere khoon nikal raha hai and i don't know what to do this is the kind of atmosphere we have around these conversations with that all i'm trying to do and it's a very big ask but all i'm trying to do is i i want to make sure that anybody who comes and sees that instagram page walks away with a funny idea of periods you know i mean yes periods are painful i have terrible cramps every month but um i, I one of the videos i did with explaining how period cramps works is essentially the uterus being like a nosy neighborhood auntie saying beta khushkhabri kab de rahe ho um and that 
is what I want people to live with and you know with the very tiny community I have if we can let that grow if we can have messages like that go out and you know support other creators who do work like this we can change the angry idea of periods to something that is not angry <laughs> i don't know if there's a better word for it <laughs> just not angry if i may steer the conversation also in a slightly different direction this is something that pragya and i were discussing the other day which is basically also conversations around health and sexual and reproductive health specifically are so uh, cis gender centered aren't they um i remember a couple of days ago we had put out a post on menstruation where we had used the word um, where we used the phrase people who menstruate the amount of flack that we got for saying that where mm-hmm. where we had yeah we had a lot of toffs as they're known oh, in yeah in our comments saying that you know it's women and you're taking this space away so i already know that um sexual and reproductive health conversations are anyway such like like such a i don't want to say new but like very limited in their um reach already so where even like how far away even are we from talking about srhr for trans people trans men and women um like so the experience you're describing has been different to mine um i have encountered so my first encounter with the fact that i use very cisnormative language which i never even realized um was there was another page called i will go out she does some wonderful work um on it was a movement about you know not staying inside the hostels going out at night and uh, she had shared one of my posts she used to share a lot of my content and she had put a content warning saying cisnormative language used and i never realized like it just hit me like a truck i was like shit i've been doing this in such an exclusionary fashion for so long and since i changed it um now i see people with vulvas people with vaginas people with penises um there's two kinds of response that have been there either people have been supportive of that or people don't know what we're talking about even people like me who have been in you know very liberal circles have been using not inclusive language and it's 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 a very simple conversation to have people on the internet in my experience and i've had a very positive experience at large are hungry for more information so if you can feed the information to them they are likely to react well you know bearing in mind that there are reactions like what happened with you guys then as so you mentioned a very um important sort of thing that has made its way into all of our inboxes and you know everybody is encountered this this great thing called the unsolicited dick pic <laughs> we've all seen them um the udp has made an infamous appearance in our dms our texts bumble hinge what have you but what becomes like why what happened with you and i'm going to let you tell that story because i think it will be best coming from you is really irritating for us is how the platform that you were on chose to address something like that so while you tell us about that experience i also want to know that in general a lot of the content that you do put up can be categorized as quote unquote 
NSFW, right? Because it's a lot about sex and masturbation and orgasms and a lot of things that would make some people, I, I don't want to generalize, but it would make a certain section uncomfortable. So, um, since so since you interact so much with the people who are on your Instagram and like you said, it's almost like a community now, I'm sure there's also like some fair share of trolling and, you know, um, saying etc, etc. I mean, I'm making an assumption here, but like largely I feel I'm slightly accurate. But yes, how do you combat this and then, you know, come back even more powerful every time? Um, there's a certain amount of power that comes in when you tell when you when you have the medical authority to tell people that I don't know you don't last long in bed for this reason and I feel like because of that I'm immune I'm not immune I'm protected from a lot of the hate you know a lot of times I see absolute troll accounts like I go and see their profile they come and ask me ki you know, ma'am, I really want to satisfy my partner, my, my girlfriend in bed. I discharge There's things like that. And then I go and see their profile and it's just trash. It is 100% filth of the highest order. Because of the way toxic masculinity has structured our world, these people are so insecure about their sexual prowess or lack thereof or whatever have you. I tend to be, I mean, I may be speaking too soon. I may be hit with an avalanche of shit right now. But um, I have been sort of more protected from this. The only time I have received a lot of um, hatred, hatred is not the right word, trolling probably would be um, when I talk about masturbation. Because there is a very uh, religious angle to it. For some reason, people like to misinterpret the fact that all religions say masturbation is bad. I know Christianity has a thing with it. But all other religions are pretty cool. Like, they're just like, eh, masturbate if you want. We don't give a shit. Most people don't troll as hard. They troll other people, which is a very sad thing. But they troll other people in the comments. You know, they'll troll people who are having a nice conversation in the comments. But you see their DMs, they'll be like, uh, you know, I feel insecure about the size of my penis. I feel insecure about how long I last in bed. I feel insecure about my skin. I feel insecure about my body. Why is this happening? What can I do to fix this? So, you know, there's, of course, that whole, you know, I, I can I can do pop psychology and I can say that they're trolling other people because they're insecure and what have you. But um, there's also this, there's also a very sad way that patriarchy plays out in their lives as well. You, you needed to tell us about the Instagram ban. Oh, yes. Oh, that was a thing. How it started off as was when I started posting, so... All of my content had been very sort of gender neutral before this. I would say things like, uh, you know, if you masturbate, this is what's going to happen. Then I put out one reel for International Men's Day, because of course, what normal penis things. I would say 90% of the comments were like, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap, or tagging their friends, having a laugh. And then some comments were like, you know, fuck you, bitch, or what have you. Um, and then the DM started pouring in. This is my penis. Does this look all right? This is my penis. It, you know, turns a funny way. I still, th I still saw insecurity there. I still saw people being, you know, a victim of the beauty standards we have, of the physical ideal beauty standards we have. But then people started sending me videos of them jacking off, 
then somebody sent me a picture of their penis being like leggy or something like that i talked about this in my lives or my reels and a lot of people recommended why don't you just screenshot this and put it on your stories i said cool great idea i did it cut gaya mera i i censored the picture and i put it up there and uh, on that day i'd actually just posted filter hatao shakal dikhao reposts except for this and i said that this man has been you know sending me this picture in this way so please help me report him i did not get any notification from instagram anything at all but that same night when i tried to go live i got a notification saying that i can't go live right now because i have gone against community guidelines i didn't know what had happened i thought it's just my general content that's pissing instagram off so um i kind of went with it while this happened somebody else does the same thing to me i do the exact same thing and i when i try to log back into my account i get a notification saying your account has been disabled so turns out after some many many long ass conversations it turns out that i had gone against the community guidelines by posting those censored pictures none of the genitals were visible and yet every single person that reported those accounts or the fact that you know i had reported those dms everybody got a message saying this does not go against our community guidelines and you can pretty well imagine my um how furious i was with this um and you know speaking to instagram i told them so firstly they just didn't respond to me but then because of the sort of public sharing the public pressure that built up i think they were forced to take notice for whatever reason finally in the end what happens is um, i told her that you know this is not cool i have a lot of ease existing on the internet if you're doing this to me i can't imagine what you'd be doing to other people who don't have that sort of ease existing on the internet what what is happening and you as a woman i would expect to ha- have some sympathy for my situation you are silencing the voice of somebody who is speaking out against their harasser are you seeing the larger narrative you're contributing to this is very problematic and she says while we get your point but their posts don't go against our guidelines what you have done is posted something publicly and without consent and when she said without consent i kind of lost it <laughs> and um it's also the fact that you know a lot of people have access to this and i said you know they it went back and forth for a while but essentially the idea was that because i put that up publicly and these people did not have any uh, dick pics on their account they were all right their accounts are still up by the way both of them hmm moving on from very very disturbing story and to more about your work tanaya um so i've gone through your instagram account and there's so much that you cover you burst myths and you talk about so many things that are a taboo or a stigma and even say say people like me who identifies as a feminist or someone who is open minded also find it so difficult to have those conversations with say my sisters or even my parents right so so you obviously cover so many topics on srhr but is there something that you personally focus on given that you have such a huge audience how do they approach you about their personal concerns and anxieties and how do you address them because i'm a doctor a lot of people uh, tend to send me their uh, reports and tell me okay this is what's happening how do i fix it so for that usually what i do if it's a generic enough topic i make new content on it 
and that's why uh, i have a variety of content it ranges from things like body literacy to body positivity to sex positivity to um these are the medical conditions that can happen um so personally i really enjoy talking about and sort of debunking societal ideas of what things should look like sort of um talk a lot about certain problematic brands that sell intimate lightening serums that sell breast firming creams that sell the worst was i think the same company was selling uh, neck lightening cream so you can do an updo without feeling conscious about your neck and that kind of just stopped me in my tracks for a second i was like ye bhi hota hai how can you exist right like you can't even exist without offending people so i think that's what i really want to do mostly because you know there's there's a lot of avenues for talking about uh medical conditions everybody reads wikipedia but i want to do more of because i get to see so many bodies so often and i get to see you know intimate areas what we call so often i see 35 vulvas every day so i know there's a huge variety with how vulvas look and i can go and tell other people that just because you've never seen any other vulva other than what you've seen in porn you may probably not have even seen your own vulva which is quite common this is all right this there's a variety with these things i think that's what i want my main push to be yeah no i mean that's your that's a great thing because again like with beauty standards and what you said ki matlab neck bhi dark nahi ho sakti and you know people will get offended so like what your like vulvas can be different is just it's just unfathomable like and so important at the same time to talk about and to put out there so like really as a fan girl thanks for doing that <laughs> okay so now that we're kind of coming to the end of this episode i just want to ask you like okay in the long run where does dr cuteris see herself and her activism on women's srhr and also what is your opinion or your sort of like last ending thought on how in our country and our society and its people can do better in making sure that people receive better health information so with uh, where i see myself where i see this going is that i see this initiating more conversations than anything else i hope more and more people are able to talk about these things um a lot of people who are about to get married apparently like from what they tell me they share the content between each other so I, I, that makes me really happy that you know there's going to be a little sex positive future that might happen there so i hope yeah. more conversations like this can happen um and that that's all that's all i really want you know with I, this i i want to be able to say vagina without people turning and looking at me funny and people will look at me funny less often because i'm a doctor who deals with this work i want everybody to i want nishtha to go on the street and say vagina and not have that fire <laughs> well someday <laughs> it, it it's a utopian dream um with increasing access to better information i feel like the onus is on doctors you know we have to we have to put in efforts to increase this information make it accessible make it understandable and you know we we have to uh, 
push for change with this. We have a very paternalistic attitude in medicine in our country. Uh, we need to empower our patients, put the power back in their hands and just provide more information so people can take better care of their health and reduce the healthcare burden that's there in the first place. And if they have a condition, they need to have the language to be able to understand it and talk about it. So that's where I, I hope medical students will do better, hopefully. <laughs> but again, utopian dream. <laughs> I think this podcast has come to a full circle because we started talking about uh, privilege and what to do with our privilege. And, um, and now that you said that doctors should take up that responsibility of disseminating correct information and also information that is, you know, that will break taboos and myths and let us like, talk about our bodies, about our vaginas, about orgasms, about contraception and scream about them on the road and feel completely comfortable doing that. So thank you so much, Tanaya, for being here. And uh, like you mentioned uh, throughout that uh, SRHR as a field is so vast, there is so much to do. And as individuals, it can often feel overwhelming. But even with our individual capacities, uh, like, like the work that you do, there's always space to do better, uh, along with pushing our governments and our policymakers to make better SRHR policies and to sensitize people around us with correct information, with whatever amount of knowledge that we know. And obviously, that they have to be factual and try to break all these SRHR myths uh, one day at a time. Very well put. <laughs> And again, uh, Dr. Tanya, Dr. Cuteris, I'm just going to say Dr. Cuteris, thank you so much for being here with us today. It was such a pleasure to have you on our show. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time talking to you. Yes, I see, I see kids for the win. Um, <laughs> Let's hope more people read chapter 8 now. <laughs> yes, for oh sure. God, I'm CBSC. I'm not uh, consenting to any of this. This is. I'm offended. That brings us to the end of this episode of Intersectional Feminism Desi Style. As always, please do let us know what you thought about it. You can write into FII or to me and Pragya. Do join us next to next week where we're going to try to understand trans rights in our country and more importantly how better as cisgender people we can be better allies so do tune in for that episode and once again thank you so much for listening in